Good morning. First of all, to Dave and the Quilty family, just like Jed said, we, we extend our condolences. Um, even this week when I was thinking and praying for you guys, I just thought, what an amazing woman of faith that right to the very end just believed God. Like, we need to take note of this. Just right to the very end, just believe God amongst frustrations, I'm sure, and all the stuff, but just believe God. And um, this is what he's calling us to, being people of faith that just believe God, believe his promises, believe what he said. And um, it, it, it so just challenges me, just the life of Lynn that we'll be celebrating next week, and, and, and I'm sure a lot longer. Um, we'll never forget. But, but let it just sink deep today and, and in the future. Just someone who lived a lifestyle of faith and believed God. Um, how are we doing? This morning, my five-year-old son, he came in and he said, Dad, let's have an arm wrestle. I said, okay. He said, if I win, we stay home and wrestle. If you win, we can go to church. And I was like, I thought, he's setting me up for something here. I'm not really sure, but I'm about to walk into something that... Anyway, so we're here at church, so... Um, in 2018, um, our family went to Bethel Church, and we spent a year there, and we were at, this, at the Bible College there, and not, not long after we arrived there, we were at school one day, and Bill Johnson, who's the senior pastor, he came in, and he said to the class of students, I want to talk to you about something, which is quite normal. And he started to say that in his life of over 40 years of ministry, of counseling, of pastoring people, he'd actually come across the five scariest people in his life. He said they were out of control. They were scary. And he said they all had one thing in common. And he went on to say that out of these five people, he said, actually, to add on to this, he said there was two people out of that five that ended up in jail because they murdered somebody. He said there was these people, these five people are the most scariest I've ever met and they had one thing in common and that was unforgiveness. And this week I was talking to Jared and he said that ACC, of, I think, was it last week? Across all their churches we're talking about unforgiveness. And um, so today I want to share a few thoughts about the privilege we have to forgive. How many know that unforgiveness is one of these things that it actually makes sense? It's actually logical. Someone who's been hurt, it's real. The stuff actually happened. You can write a list and have dot points. One, two, three, and they make perfectly logical sense because we're hurt, because someone has done something to us. But I remember thinking about I think it was someone, they might have even said it in this church some time ago, but someone said, unforgiveness is like having a rat problem, a really bad rat problem, and you go and you buy rat baits, you bring them home, you eat the baits yourself, you get sick and you still got the problem. 
Or maybe I added a little bit to that, but essentially that's what it is. Unforgiveness is like this. Whatever's happened to us actually affects us internally to the point where it affects all of our lives. It just doesn't affect one part of our life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. This is what it says. It says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, because without holiness no one can see the Lord. Verse 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Here the author of Hebrews is saying that we need to be careful because not only is unforgiveness or or bitterness actually just become a seed that actually just stays in that form, it actually says that if we're not careful, if we don't allow the Lord to heal that place and, and, and pull that out of us, it actually becomes something that actually defiles all of us. This is incredible. Um, Many years ago, I got food poisoning. And I can't remember what the food was. It might have been a prawn, a pork, a chicken or something. But it was something. And I remember all the night, like bent over the toilet in excruciating pain. Who's ever had a really bad bout of food poisoning? You know what I'm talking about. Like, it's not nice. I I was literally defiled. This little innocent prawn that someone with love and care cooked up defiled me. And I ended up leaning over that toilet for, I think it was more, about 24 hours. 24. 24 hours and I was sick. Do you know what? It affected my whole body. Not even my little toe was enjoying the experience. This This is fascinating. This little piece of meat defiled me in such a way that that, that all my body was in reaction to this food poisoning. The sweats, the chills, the stress, the cramping. You, You got the picture. It was not nice. And this is exactly what unforgiveness, bitterness does in us. See, unforgiveness is not something that even in seed form just remains in our body and stays at that size. Unforgiveness, because of the way it is, it actually grows and it grows rapidly. How many know that you can get benign tumors? I've had them. I've had them cut out. You can get a benign tumor. Sometimes if you have a benign tumor, you can go to the doctor and it's like, hey, it's not near a vital organ. It's never going to grow. Let's just leave it. That, that can be good advice. But how many know that, that unforgiveness is not like a benign tumor that's not going to grow? Unforgiveness is like a rapid, aggressive, cancerous lump that just grows rapidly inside us. This is what unforgiveness does. It's not your friend. Just while I'm talking about unforgiveness, I just want to make a few comments. First of all, to forgive someone doesn't mean we need to trust them again. 
We need to be sure that we've extended trust, they've betrayed the trust, they've done something wrong to us. Forgiveness does not mean I now trust that person again. That is their responsibility to build the trust back. But what our responsibility is, is to forgive them. Also, if you're in an abusive relationship, that's not okay. What I'm not saying this morning is stay in that place, forgive them, stay in that place of abuse and allow that, that toxic environment to, to, to continue. That's not what I'm saying. If you're in a relationship like that, there's ways that you, you, need, to, you, you need to work on a, a journey to get out of that for it to be resolved so that you're not living in abuse. But unforgiveness will defile us. So what do we do? How many here have been offended? How many here have someone said something to you that's, that's, that's just downright rude? <laughs> Jed, you must have done a good job. No one here is offended. <laughs> oh, the hands are going up now. They're just a bit shy. <laughs> Sometimes people say some, some dumb things. We've all been there. Sometimes they're rude. Sometimes there's very real reasons and, and all of a sudden something's happened in someone's life and you're like, oh yeah, now I understand why they said that. But sometimes there is no, there is no reason. It's just like hum, human beings. Some, sometimes we say things, sometimes we do things that, are not, that do not line up with the character of God. And because we're in a family, because we're in a community here, we're often on the end of that. It's not okay, but it just means that that means we have the privilege to walk through forgiveness, uh, to forgiving others. Some people say things that don't follow through. Some people do things, whatever the case may be. But the point is that if we don't resolve this issue of unforgiveness, we actually end up destroying ourselves. It's that big a deal. Because we can be living with seeds of unforgiveness and not even realize. For some people, it's a huge issue. Maybe something's happened with their childhood and it just, it just follows them throughout their whole life. But maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're not even aware that you've harbored these seeds of unforgiveness in your life. Have people that you can be open with. Have, talk to your wife, talk to your husband, talk to your family that can help you in that way. But what do we do from here? Most likely, if you, if you haven't been offended, you're probably going to be. So this applies to us all. How do we walk through this, this, this issue of forgiveness to other people? Luke chapter 3 verse 8, if we can turn there quickly. Luke chapter 3 verse 8. This is John the Baptist and he was, um, it says in verse 8, it says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. The first part of verse 8 says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The point here is that 
When we repent, which literally means to turn the way we think, we're going this way, and we turn and we go this way, which is an act of forgiveness. We change. It all starts in in our mind. It all starts with a decision. All of a sudden, we're going this way, and we decide, actually, I'm going to make a decision to forgive. What this verse is saying here, that that's that's fine to have a, a mental aptitude. That's fine to have a mental thought, but you actually have to have fruit of your forgiveness. Does this make sense? There has to be evidence that you're forgiven. Just like it's saying there has to be evidence of repentance. James talks about this as well when he's talking about faith. He says, don't just say you have faith, but show me by your lifestyle. Show me by your evidence in your life that you actually have faith in God. Therefore, the Bible here is encouraging us to bring fruit of this decision we've made of forgiveness. By the way, we're going to be very early for the cafe. Shane, just to let you know. <laughs> I just looked down and I'm on my last point, so this, this better be a good one. <laughs> um, it's all right, I'll drag it out for 15 minutes. Um, at the end of 2018... Over a period of one month, I had a series of dreams, prophetic words, and just God speaking to me. And it happened like four times in a month, so it was like every, basically every week. And first of all, it was a dream. It was a sort of an abstract dream about some building that I was working on, and I had a disagreement with someone, and I, and I, I couldn't remain on the, on the job, and so I left. So when I awoke, I was like, God, I don't know if this is from you, but I wrote it down anyway. I recorded it in my phone. A week later, someone came to me and gave me a a word about a fence. So I was like, okay. So I just wrote it down in my phone. A week after that, I had another abstract dream about taking offense and bitterness and unforgiveness. So I wrote that down in my phone. Towards the end of the month, so a week after that last one, I woke up one morning and whoever wakes up and you've just got like this resounding voice in your head. Um, And this, this is the words I heard. Bitterness and unforgiveness will give way to demonic influence. I was like, what a way to wake up with that. How many of us when we wake up in the morning, we're looking for a coffee to like perk us up or a little bit of nice soft worship music? This is what I wake up to. Bitterness and unforgiveness will make way for demonic influence in your life. I was like, really? So I I wrote this down, just the phrase in my phone. And then I was looking over what the Lord had been saying to me. And I looked over and I thought, hang on, there's a theme here. And it was only because I was looking over the dreams I'd had, the prophetic, prophetic words people had given me. I thought, hang on. I think he's talking to me about unforgiveness, about bitterness and offense. And I said to Rach, I I told her and I showed her these records. I said, what do you think? She's like, yeah, yeah, God's talking to you about that. How many of you like me a little bit slow where you need the Lord to tell you like four times before you do anything? Anyway, so I remember going to bed that night just thinking, wow, 
obviously I'm harboring bitterness or, or offense or there's something coming along where I'm going to have to need to forgive or, or whatever. So I'm just lying there, I'm thinking, but, but what do I do now? And this is when I had the last dream. So that, that morning I had a dream and this was the dream. So I was walking along in like a desert area. It was like rocky outcrops and I had to get from point A to point B. There was no other way. It was along this path. And as I was walking along, it was like an arid desert area. All of a sudden, a couple of guys like poked their heads out from around the rocks and started throwing rocks at me. And at first I was like, okay. And I was just sort of dodging them. A little bit like in the Matrix. Um, I just started dodging because they're way away, probably at the end of the church there. And so they started throwing these rocks and that wasn't difficult to miss. They weren't throwing them real fast. They were sort of lobbing these big rocks and I was just sort of dodging them, slowly moving forward. But as I got closer, it was harder to dodge the rocks. Then I got to the point in the dream where I thought, I can't move, I cannot move any further forward. And I was stuck in my dream. I'm like, I'm dodging. It's taking me a lot of effort. If you watch The Matrix, you'll see. Before Neo, number one, before, before the end when Neo could do it easy, he was dodging bullets and it was hard and one even grazed his shoulder. Is that right, Dan? His leg? Um, and, and I was like that. I was, I was struggling to dodge these rocks as I was getting closer. And I was stuck in my dream because it was like I had to get to there but I couldn't move any further. All of a sudden, I picked up a rock and I realized the only way I could get to there was I had to attack. And so this is when the dream went from like a PG to like a M15 plus or something. Anyway, so I literally had to start throwing rocks at these guys to stop them attacking me to move forward. And when I woke up, I felt... Now, if you haven't been following along... The person who's done you, done you wrong is not the people throwing the rocks. The people throwing the rocks is, is this issue of unforgiveness. And when I woke up, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me and said, this is how you approach unforgiveness in your heart. You've got to aggressively move forward. This is not a passive thing where we just sit back and have a mental aptitude and say, I forgive that person, but I'm not going to forget it. How many of us have been there? I forgive you, but that doesn't mean I have to forget it. And then, and then we sort of close the door on forgiveness and wonder why we've still got this toxic stuff in our life. I knew from that moment on that I had to aggressively do something with this issue of unforgiveness. And here in, in Luke chapter 3 verse 8, the verse we just re- read, it said, bring forth your fruit of repentance or of forgiveness. There has to be evidence to to, to back up the forgiveness that the Lord is asking us to give. In the Passion Translation, it says, Turn away from your sin, turn to God, and prove it by a changed life. How good is that? Prove it by a changed life. I would encourage us, Hope Point Church, that... Like Gwen prophesied this morning, the place where the Lord is taking us as a family, as a community, is going to take a unified force moving forward and forgiveness, humility and grace that flows.
all of a sudden I realized that I had to do more than just forgive someone who had either wronged me or was about to wrong me. Maybe you need to take the person out for coffee. By the way, if I've been taking you out for coffee, that, that's not what I do, so don't worry about that. Um, but for me, it was praying for the, the people. Not praying at them, praying for them. Not, not asking God why. Not, not even asking that question. This was my simple prayer. It was God bless them. I would get down on my knees in desperate thing and pray blessing on their families, blessing on their finances, blessing on their children, blessing on their grandchildren, blessing on their ministry. The very prayer that I'd want someone to pray for me, I was praying for them. What happens is that all of a sudden, see oftentimes because someone, and I understand that, that there's been pretty ordinary things that have happened to people. I understand the fact that in my life right now, I haven't gone through a lot of things that you guys have been through. Terrible things. But all I know is we have to move on from here. And the key is forgiveness. You know when someone's done you wrong and you just feel like something in here, like in your gut? And you're like, oh, maybe when you think about them or something, it's like, oh. In my experience, the best remedy for that is find some evidence. Demonstrate some fruit of the forgiveness. Don't wait until that, ah oh, goes. Actually initiate something where, for me, it was praying for them. Pray for people. Get on your knees and pray. Maybe do some fasting for them. Do something radical to prove that you've actually forgiven them. And do you know what happens? All of a sudden, that thing that was there is gone. All of a sudden, those people that you just felt a little bit inside, all of a sudden, they become your best friends. All of a sudden, they start championing you. All of a sudden, the Spirit unites you in unity. This is what happens when we actually... Start bringing fruit of our forgiveness. Maybe it's taking someone out for coffee. Maybe it's praying for them. Maybe it's just spending time. Maybe it's doing something, something for them or their family or blessing them with a gift or doing something. Maybe you're here and you're like, but it's such a tiny thing. This is the time to actually be really aggressive to the stones that are being thrown when they're only small. Because if we allow them to overtake us, like was in Bill Johnson's thing, he said that there was five people, they were not in control of themselves. He said he's never witnessed something more horrifying than the church helping as much as they could and these people being stuck to the point where two of them went and murdered these people that had done something against them and ended up in jail.
This is a quote from D.L. Moody. It says, Forgiveness is not that stripe which says, I will forgive but not forget. It is not to bury the hatchet with the handle sticking out of the ground so you can grasp it any minute you want it. Talk about courage. This is courageous people that will say, I forgive and I'm not going to hold a record of wrong. This is not something that I just forgive but I'll bring it up on a rainy day. This is something I forgive. What does the Lord do from us? It says, from as far as the east is from the west, he forgives our sins and he remembers them no more. I believe it's a choice that the Lord makes to remember our sins no more. He'll never bring them up against us. And I think as we look at the life of Jesus and his example, we need to forgive others. My observation in my own life and other people's life is that people who don't forgive, they lose their influence. Their voice, their volume might get louder, but their influences get lower. We want to be people of influence. We want to clearly represent the heart of God. Let's be people that forgive. Let's be people that not only have a mental aptitude and and make a decision in our mind to forgive, but let's be people that as we journey together, we're showing fruit of our forgiveness. Jesus, right at the end, he said, as he was nailed to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them because they do do not even know what they're doing. This is the example we have. If you're struggling to forgive others, we only need to look at Jesus and how much he's forgiven us. When we see the forgiveness that he gave us, it's crazy because this forgiveness package, it says that before the foundation of the world, Christ died for us, which means that God already had a forgiveness package in mind before we'd ever sinned. This is incredible. Before you'd ever sinned, Before we were even created, he had a package in Jesus that was ready to forgive. Incredible. True forgiveness has evidence. It means we don't keep a record of wrong. It doesn't deny justice. Why don't we pray this morning? Jesus, we thank you that we're all in need of forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, that ultimately we came to you and we had no solution. The Bible says that we were dead in our sins and we needed a saviour. We needed one who would show mercy and grace to us and forgive us of our sin. So, Lord, as we follow you the best we can, Lord, we pray that you would give us grace to forgive those who have wronged us, forgive those who are going to wrong us, and that we wouldn't just make a a decision in our mind to forgive, but Lord, you'd give us grace. Lord, give us grace to have evidence, to have have a a lifestyle of, of, of fruit to demonstrate that, Lord, we have forgiven people.
We thank you, Lord. Ultimately, we just want to represent you well. Lord, we thank you that you modeled for us what forgiveness looks like. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.